Ryder and Nystrom. Nystrom's really getting some good right hands in. Gillies is down with Sandstrom. Somebody better help Sandstrom. Everyone must be held accountable for their actions. You cannot see your star carried out in a stretcher and do nothing about it. Oh my, did Mick plant one on C-card. Wow. You can't put a bounty on a man's head. I just did. But just a minute, Al Arbor has won mm -hmm. four Stanley Cups, so don't start telling Al Arbor what to do, you and John Davison. Welcome back to Coliseum Chronicles, The Penalty Box. I am your host, Joe Lizito. So first, I would like to wish everybody down here in the States a happy Columbus Day, a very happy Columbus Day. Uh, it's a very underrated holiday, and uh, I know it's come under some scrutiny lately, but uh, you know the deal. It's a real thing, and um, you know, all, especially all my Italian brothers and sisters, happy Columbus Day. Uh, to all my Canadian brothers and sisters uh, up in the Great White North, I'd like to wish you all a happy Thanksgiving. And uh, for everybody uh, that wished me a happy birthday on October 6th and uh, and after, I, I really appreciate that. Uh, thanks for taking the time out of your day, uh, whether it was a phone call or a text or something on social media, just to wish me a happy birthday. Uh, that was terrific, and uh, and I really appreciate it. So this is uh, episode 33. and. I know that, um, I think it was episode 31, I said uh, episode 32, I was going to debut a new series of episodes, which if you listen to episode 32, turned out to be uh, the new seasons series that uh, I debuted where I uh, take a player and I examine a particular season that he had. We go over any highlights and overall the fights and, um, you know, just try to have fun with it. And then I said after that, I was going to have another ep episode uh, with an interview um, that fell through. So I'm still holding out hope to get that one done, but I wanted to put out some content today. So um, if you enjoyed uh, oh, and by the way, uh, last week's episode where I did Kenny Baumgartner's 1989-90 season, uh, thank you to everybody who provided feedback on that. Uh, I wasn't sure how that was going to go over, um, and I'm sure I wasn't the first person to have that idea in, in any uh, way, shape, or form, but I thought it would be interesting. I thought it would be something different than the usual stuff, and uh, the feedback was tremendous. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you listening. And... Um, I hope that uh, you enjoyed today's episode. Uh, it'll be the uh, second part in the season's series. I have to say that slower, or else I'm going to blend it into one word, and it'll just sound idiotic. So so today will be uh, episode number 33, but episode number two of the season's series. Before we get started, of, of course, of course, God, I'm, I, it's like I've never spoken before. Before we get started, of course, like to take care of a few things. First of all, if you are on Twitter, I am on Twitter. Uh, please give uh, give my uh, personal account a follow and the show account, and I will return in kind a follow on your account. Uh, my personal account is at Joe underscore Lozito, and the account for the show is at Kali Sin Bin Pod. 
Uh, like I said, give me a follow. I'll follow you back. Uh, I say it all the time. I'm not one of these people that say, hey, give me a follow. And then when you go to my page, I have 20,000 followers and I'm following 16 people. I, I don't get the logic in that. But, uh, you know, for, for the show, Twitter anyway, trying to grow this show a little bit. So, um, you know, as many people I can get following the show, that would be great. And like I said, I definitely will follow you back in kind. On Facebook, facebook.com slash Coliseum Chronicles podcast. Go ahead and give that a like. Uh, there's something on there every day. I don't bombard your timeline. Uh, every day I'll provide a different fight picture, uh, tell you whose birthday it is as far as Islander fighters and, um, you know, maybe some other little nuggets, but, uh, it's not anything, you know, everybody that has Facebook know, you know, what your timeline is being bombarded with right now and you want no part of that. So, um, my content is, is uh, enjoyable and I'm still not going to bombard you with that. So, uh, go to facebook.com slash Coliseum Chronicles podcast and uh, hit that like button and you'll see all the, uh, amazing posts that I put out there on Instagram, Coliseum underscore Chronicles underscore podcast. Very similar content to um, the stuff that I post on the show's Twitter account and the Facebook page. But some people don't have Facebook and have uh, Instagram and vice versa, don't have Twitter, whatever. You get the idea. Uh, follow on all three. I'll follow you back on all three. Uh, there's no reason not to. So, uh, so I appreciate that. Uh, and if you've been listening to the show, you know this. And if this is your first time, there is out there the the newest most amazing clothing line trying to get it in milan and all those other places where they do these uh, fashion shows uh it's the coliseum chronicles merchandise store uh you can get to that store at teespring.com slash stores slash coliseum hyphen chronicles hyphen merch or you can just scroll to the bottom of this episode on whatever platform you're listening to and there's a link that'll bring you right to it you know, like I say, t-shirts, hoodies, sweatshirts without hoods, um, onesies, uh, kids, kids items, ladies items, men's items, socks, totes, flags, posters, I think, phone cases, masks, everything you need to represent the Coliseum Chronicles podcast is on there. So, uh, I'm gonna, I haven't really posted a lot about it in a, in a few weeks. I'm going to start getting more active in that on social media and I'll definitely be order, uh, offering some discounts. So, um, what I may do is, uh, offer some discounts just for people who listen to the show. So I won't put those out on social media. So if you listen to the show, you could take advantage of it. It'll just be like a show exclusive where maybe I'll offer a bigger discount, uh, for those of you who are listening. So uh, stay tuned for that. There'll be other discounts, like I said, on social media. But, uh, you know, if you're taking the time to listen to this, the least I could do is give you a, a nice discount on some merchandise. Uh, you know, depending on where you're listening, like I say, here on Long Island, um, especially today, geez, what a nasty day it is today. It's like winter is coming. Uh, it's getting a little brisk. You need a hoodie, you need a regular sweatshirt, whatever it is. Definitely check out the store. I have everything you need there. And when you do, you will see my awesome logo. I love that logo. Uh, if I have room somewhere on my arms, I'm probably going to get it tattooed on myself. Uh, I just love the logo. And the person who drew that logo is local Long Island artist Joe Marisic. You can get Joe on Twitter at GraphicsJoker or get it on the website LoudEgg.com. You can reach him there. Uh, Joe is, uh, like I said, local Long Island artist, very talented. He can do any kind of art. He does, uh, I don't know what you call it, like I guess regular art, realism, uh, 
regular art, but he also is a, a cartoon expert, and that's where uh, what uh, my logo falls under is the the tune category. He's brilliant and a great guy. Definitely um, check out Joe's work. Now, as you all know, if you're in New York, you can now go back to the gym, and if you're if you're on Long Island, there's no better place to go than Belmore Kickboxing and MMA. Belmore Kickboxing and MMA is Long Island's premier mixed martial arts gym. They're open seven days a week. They have men's classes, women's classes, kids' classes. Private training is available. Uh, professional fighters train here. Guys like John Volante and Gregor Gillespie, Andre Harrison, Chris Algieri, Adam Kalnachki, they all train there. And and the list is, I mean, the list of guys who have trained there over the years, I mean, I want to say it's it's infinite, but obviously it's not. But the list is very long. Going back to guys who have been professional boxers, uh, professional MMA fighters. I mean, you can just look them up online. There's a list of guys that have trained there. Uh, it's a great gym. It's my favorite gym here on Long Island. It's located at 2551 Merrick Road in Belmore. You can go to belmorekickboxingmma.com or call them at 516-679-5997. Ask for Keith Trimble. Keith is, in my opinion, the best at what he does in the entire world. I think he's the best trainer out there. And when you talk to Keith, if you mention that you heard this on, you heard uh, about the gym on this show, you will get a free class. It could be any class you want, men's class, kids class, women's class, whatever you want to do. Just mention this, mention that you heard it here on this show and you'll get a free class. Like I said, Belmore Kickboxing and MMA is the place you want to train and train where the champions train, Belmore Kickboxing and MMA. So a few more items of business. Um, like I always say, if you're listening to this show and you're a fan of the Enforcers, there are a few other shows out there that uh, that you will enjoy. And it's not the big name shows like uh, you know everybody knows the shows that are out there that get a ton of listeners. But uh, uh, I think uh, the first show I'm going to tell you about, Fourth Line Voice, with my friend Darren. I think he's fond of calling us the mom and pop shops of the podcast industry. Uh, you know, shop local, as he says. But uh, you know, uh, this is Fourth Line Voice. Uh, my friend Darren, he's based out of Saskatoon. Uh, he was the first first one that really did these Enforcer podcasts. Uh, he's great at it. Every week he has two episodes. He's on the Hockey Podcast Network, and every week he has two episodes. The first episode, I think, is on uh, Mondays. They sometimes come out Sunday nights. Uh, those are classic episodes from when he did his own website before it crashed. And then I think it's Wednesdays. You'd think I would know, but they just pop up because I subscribe. So I don't really need to keep track of the days. But on Wednesdays, he does a new episodes. So he got two episodes a week on the Hockey Podcast Network. That's the same network that has Terry Ryan's show and a bunch of other ones. Um, Darren's latest episode was actually very funny because he's been battling a uh, cold, a chest cold or something lately. So I think he was... Uh, high on NyQuil and Buckley's and he just uh he went through some various drafts obviously if you're a hockey fan you know the draft took place last week so um he went through various drafts and he was talking about the different tough guys that were taken taken by whom what round you know this and that everything um and it was kind of funny because he actually asked the trivia question but he never gave the answer and actually I still I never looked I just realized I never looked up the answer I got a send him a message and ask him what the answer is. But, uh, but it was a fun episode to listen to. And, um, you know, especially when you think about, uh, the enforcers, how, um, just cause you know, an enforcer from a certain team, it doesn't mean he was drafted by them. Could have been drafted by another team could have been drafted a lot higher than you think. So it was a pretty informative ep episode. But, uh, like I said, if you want to listen to, uh, 
uh, NyQuil addled and uh, Buckley's addled uh, Darren on Fourth Line Voice Podcast. Definitely give that a listen and check out his whole back catalog. He's got some really awesome interviews there. And if you're on Twitter, uh, check out his Twitter feed, Fourth Line Voice. He's doing his Minor League Mayhem Twitter tournament, kind of bringing attention to the guys who have done the job in the minors that don't get as much publicity as the guys at the NHL level. And uh, it's nice that these guys get uh, get some uh, notoriety for a few weeks every year uh, because what happens is you may see a name you've never heard of and then you go and look them up or you see a name that you know and kind of bring back some memories. Maybe you go on YouTube and watch some scraps. But um, I love this tournament. He, he does um, Bob Probert Invitational with the NHL guys too. I kind of like this one a little better because – you know, the minor league guys, they're the ones doing the same job for a lot less money and a lot less prestige, and uh, it's good for these these guys to get uh, get some recognition. So I kind of enjoy that. So definitely um, check out his Twitter feed, vote on these uh, fights. I think he might be down to 16, or I think he's definitely past 32, so I want to say maybe he's a sweet 16 on this, but uh, it's not too late to vote, so definitely check it out. Also, um, check out Fourth Line Voice YouTube channel. If you've watched a hockey fight on YouTube, chances are it is on the Fourth Line Voice channel. Definitely check it out. Over 2,200 fights. Another podcast that is done for 2020, the Bucket Drop Podcast with my friend Bobby Longgrass. Uh, Bobby has taken the rest of the year off. Um, He's got a new baby. And uh, I guess just, uh, I guess, I don't know, after a while, maybe it takes its toll on you. And uh, he just wants to take a break. He'll be back in 2021. Uh, I'm sure he'll give you a lot of thoughts on his uh, favorite GM, Mark Bergevin. Uh, But check out his back catalog. Uh, He's bilingual, too. So there's at least one episode that I really wanted to listen to, but he did it all in French. So so I didn't get to hear that one. But uh, he's also an amateur rapper. So he's sort of a renaissance man. Um, he's a good friend of mine. I've been on his show a few times. Check out his back catalog. And, uh, you know, it's this way you, you get a little bit of background on the show before uh, you pick up again in 2021. And do me a favor. Um, check out his Twitter feed at The Bucket Drop because Bobby sells hats and uh, the profits go to help child abuse survivors. And if it's not his pinned tweet, uh, it's r- usually right near the top. So definitely check that out. Um, I think it's 25 bucks Canadian. Uh, delivered, you know, you get the hat shipped. I think everything's included, and uh, like I said, the uh, all the profits go to help child abuse survivors. So I think we can all get behind that. And uh, third podcast is Five for Fighting podcast. Uh, Alec Olin Salen has not put out an episode the last few weeks. I think he's really busy. Like I said in the last episode, I think he bought a house or they're moving. Uh, he's got a lot of things going on right now, so he hasn't put anything out. The last episode he put out was with the uh, Trashers GM, former Trashers GM. Um, AJ Galante, which was a great episode. If you're a fight fan and you remember the trashers, they were unbelievable. And I think uh, that Alec was going to do a Q&A episode, but he hasn't put that out yet. So I don't know. Like I said, we've all moved and I haven't been fortunate enough to buy a house, but I know a lot of people who obviously have, and I know that's a, that's a hassle. So, uh, so it's a pain in the ass. So I'm looking forward to him getting back on the horse too, just like Bobby. And uh, also, if you're on Facebook, check out Alex Enforcer Appreciation page. That's always fun. Lots of activity on there. Uh, Lots of former enforcers at every level of hockey on there. And, you know, it's just a good time. And you kind of reminisce a lot since there's not much uh, happening nowadays in hockey outside for a few guys and a few teams. So it's, it's nice to reminisce. Some guys are real active on there. I'm not really that active on there, but uh, in terms of posting, but I'm on there every day reading. So, uh, so definitely check that out. 
So uh, where are we at as far as the Islanders go? So the Islanders, well, not just the Islanders, but uh, the NHL just had their draft. And uh, the Islanders did not have uh, a pick, I think, until 90. 90 number 90 was uh, was their first pick. They didn't have a first or second round pick, but they got J.G. Pajot, and I'll take that trade off any day of the week. So, uh, so they didn't have a, a pick in the first two rounds. Um, they picked a few European guys, including this goalie who I think is like 6'8 or 6'9. He's a giant. Uh, a couple of Finns, I think, and maybe a Swede. I, I don't really remember. But the two guys who, who they did pick that I, I probably keep an eye on more than the others is in the fourth round. They picked a kid named Alex Jeffries. Uh, he was picked 121st overall uh, from the Gunnery, which I just looked up, and it's a private school in Connecticut. And the next round, in the fifth round, they picked William Dufour uh, in the fifth round, like I said, 152nd overall uh, from Drummondville in the QMJHL. So uh, I think they had five picks overall. Those will be the the two guys that I probably key on as out of the five. And uh, obviously, I wish them all well because if they do well, the uh, then the Islanders do well. Um, but you know, if you know me, you know I'm pretty much uh, focused on the North American guys, and uh, the Europeans will you know they'll do whatever they do. But uh, but like I said, Jeffries and Dufour are the two guys that uh, that I'll pay attention to more than the others. And free agency is uh, ongoing now. It's been going on for a few days. The Islanders are, if I read this, well, I read it correctly. I just, uh, I should have probably verified it. The Islanders are the only team to not sign anybody that wasn't their own. Uh, They did sign Sebastian Ajo. Obviously, he was already their property. Uh, But they haven't signed a free agent yet. And I know a lot of Isles Twitter is uh, up in arms. But, um, you know, you look at some of the guys that are out there. You know, like the big fish, like uh, like uh, Hall. I don't know that guy's. He's young and he's really talented, but Jesus Christ, the guy's been on. I think this. Uh, he signed with Buffalo yesterday. It's his fifth team already. Uh, to me, that says something. I don't know. He signed with Buffalo one year. I don't know. I just think there's more to to this kid than meets the eye. Obviously, you can't argue with the on ice stuff, but I don't know. It, it just to me. Yeah, you know, four other teams. Uh, you know, I don't know. I, I want to say they had the opportunity to sign him long term and didn't, or he didn't want to go there, but or didn't want to stay there. But I don't know. To me, five teams and how many years has he been around? Nine. Uh, that says a lot. So uh, he's with Buffalo. You know, so uh, you know. Listen, everyone's saying, well, he doesn't care about winning. Well, yeah, you sign with Buffalo at this point. You don't care about winning. You're going for the money, and so be it. I I'll never begrudge anybody, but. Uh, you know, as long as I don't see him in an interview talking about anything other than the money, then, um, then, you know, more power to him. Good, good for him. Um, yeah, I don't know who else is. I mean, I like Wayne Simmons, but he wasn't going to come here. Uh, Kyle Clifford, you know, I guess a lot of, you know, him coming here would depend on say Matt Martin, maybe, but Clifford ended up signing with St. Louis, uh, St. Louis, always one of those teams like the Islanders that has, has guys like that that uh, play with some jam and some sandpaper and everything. So uh, no surprise that uh, Clifford went to St. Louis. Uh, the Islanders made a trade. They traded Kyle Burroughs to Colorado for A.J. Greer. Uh, Burroughs is a guy who uh, he played physical with Bridgeport. I think he's been in Bridgeport maybe four or five years. Um, you know, played played pretty physical. I mean, not obviously not an enforcer, not uh, – not a heavyweight at all, but didn't mind fighting every now and then. And, uh, 
you know, I kind of liked him, but I think at this point, like I said, I think he's been in Bridgeport five years. So I don't, I don't know if he was ever going to really crack the, the big club here on the Island and uh, Greer. I mean, he's, he's played some games with Colorado. He puts up some pretty good numbers in the American league too. So um, I'm not sure what the story is with him. I mean, he was a second round pick uh, a few years back. Maybe it's a case of two guys who weren't fits in the current organizations uh, being swapped for each other, and maybe they'll get a fresh start. Um, I don't really know a lot about Colorado's situation. I don't know if Burroughs will get a real chance to to play in Colorado. Well, he'll play in Colorado. It's just a question of if it's with the Avalanche or the Eagles. Um, and Greer maybe has an outside shot to make the Islanders. Like I said, he put up some decent points. So, uh, you know, Burroughs, good kid, and uh, I wish him well in Colorado. I'd love to see him get a few games with the Avalanche. And, of course, you know, being that Greer is coming back this way, I wish him nothing but the best, and maybe we'll see him here on the island. I guess if you had to say one had more upside than the other, I guess maybe you say that about Greer, but you know what? Burroughs has those intangibles. You know, he works hard, he plays physical, you know, and doesn't take a night off. So, you know, good for him. I I, I hope both of these guys uh, are successful with their new organization. So good for both of them and, and best of luck. And of course, as I have focused on every week, uh, since the end of the season, even probably before that, uh, I am keeping a keen eye on the Matt Martin situation. Matt Martin is a is an unrestricted free agent, and obviously, I want him back on the Islanders. I want him to finish his career with the Islanders. Um, and you know, I haven't read really. There hasn't been too much written about the uh, the free agents here. I mean, uh, probably the most I've read is about. Barzal, but he, someone's got to offer him an, uh, supply him an offer sheet. And that really never happens. It's amazing. Every year with the restrictive free agents, everyone wonders, oh, is he going to get an offer sheet, offer sheet? It almost never happens. It, it It's so rare. But yet every year people are like, oh, this is, but it just, I don't know. It doesn't happen. I don't see it happening. Um, and I know I read something about uh, Broussard might come back. Obviously, uh, if you don't know by now, Thomas Gray signed with Detroit. Wish him well. Uh, but for me, myself, and for the purpose of this show, uh, the one guy right now out of the unrestricted free agents that I am focused on big time is Matt Martin. And there hasn't been too many rumors, obviously, here in New York. Uh, people are worried that he might sign with the Rangers. We're, I'm not worried that he's going to sign with the Rangers. I don't want him to sign with the Rangers. And Matt, if you're listening, uh, if you go back in my catalog here and listen to uh, part two of Richie Pilon's episodes and part two of Aaron Asham, just so you know, the grass is not always greener in Manhattan. Uh, you know, they they can uh, they've explained their situations with the Rangers how it wasn't always uh, it wasn't a great fit. So um, it's not always greener over there, but. I don't know. In my head, I've convinced myself that every day, um, guys of you know that play similar style to Matt, if they sign and he doesn't sign, I've convinced myself that it's a, a good sign that he'll be back. But who the hell knows? Uh, I, I think Matt's a great guy. I realized that in uh, February of 2021, I'll have known him 10 years, and I wish him I wish him well. He's a classy guy, and I would love for him to go. Or I'd love for him to stay here and break the bank. I don't. You know, obviously, that's not going to happen. Um, but if he's able to go somewhere and get a ton of money, I, I'm always going to root for the guy. Obviously, I hope he stays here. So um, as of this moment, which is uh, 4 o'clock on Monday, Columbus Day, Matt Martin is still an unrestricted free agent and has not signed anywhere, including, unfortunately, the Islanders. So um, 
that's all I have for my intro. I tried to keep it short today. Well, shorter. What did I end up with? Yeah, 22, 23 minutes, which is actually shorter than a lot of them. So, um, so we're going to jump right in. So like I said, this is episode 33, and it is the second episode of my seasons series. And today we're going to go back and look at Matt Martin's rookie season of uh, 2010-11. Okay, so we're going to go back. We're going to talk about the season he had. We're going to talk about his fights, and we're going to talk about a few other things. So um, let's go. 2010-11, Matt Martin, technically his rookie season. He did, uh, let's see, it was a second-year pro. Martin was originally drafted by the Islanders in the fifth round in 2008. That's the same draft that produced uh, Josh Bailey in the first round, Travis Hamannick in the second round. And Jared Spurgeon, who didn't see any time with the Islanders, but he was picked in the sixth round by the Islanders, and he's been with Minnesota now for a while. I guess he's a regular there. I don't really know a lot about him. But uh, when I was looking up the stats of the guys who were drafted, he had he had a ton of games, and it looks like he's been a regular with Minnesota for a while. So uh, those four guys uh, have made significant contributions uh, in the NHL. So you'd have to say that's a pretty good draft by the Islanders. Uh, Matty spent the majority of, uh, 2009-10 in Bridgeport. He played 76 games. He had 12 goals, 19 assists for 31 points. He also put up 113 penalty minutes and had 12 fights. So that season, he did see his first NHL action. He played five games with the Islanders that year. He had two assists and 26 penalty minutes. Out of those 26 penalty minutes, he did have two fights. One of the fights was against Tyler Kennedy of Pittsburgh, and the other one was against former Islander Nate Thompson, who was with Tampa Bay at the time. And even though I bet he doesn't listen, uh, congratulations to Nate Thompson on signing with Winnipeg. Uh, if you uh, if you know me at all, you know Winnipeg is my number two team uh, because of Kevin Sheveldayoff. So uh, I'm happy that Nate ended up in Winnipeg, and I wish him the best of luck, obviously. Uh, in the 2009 preseason, uh, Martin had four fights, so he's doing what he had to do to get noticed. He had a fight uh, with Mark Giordano of Calgary. He had a two-fight game uh, against the Kings where he fought Sean O'Donnell and Wayne Simmons. And his final fight of that preseason was against Rob Davidson, who was with the Devils at the time. So that was uh, Maddie's way of getting himself noticed. Good job by him. Um, like I said, he spent uh, spent most of that year in Bridgeport, but he did see some action with the Islanders. So that's why I say his, his rookie year, yeah, I don't think you lose your eligibility, uh, you know, for the Calder Trophy if you play five games. And uh, I'm not even making fun of fun of anybody like that. I'm, I'm being legitimately uh, serious here. I don't think if you play five games, you lose your eligibility. So 2010-11 uh, was, was Matt's rookie year. So we jumped to 2010-11. He started uh, the year in Bridgeport. He was, I don't think he had any serious injuries in camp, but I think they were serious enough where he, he didn't, uh, uh, I don't think he had any fights in that camp, but I think he had a lot of nagging injuries. And, and if I remember right, I think Scott Gordon, who was the coach, uh, at the time said that, uh, had he been healthy, he probably would have made the team out of camp or he obviously would have had a better chance to make the team out of camp. Uh, but with Bridgeport, he played seven games. He scored a goal, had two assists, three points. He had 11 penalty minutes. Uh, and that was the last that Matt Martin would see of the American League. Uh, that was it. He's been he's been a regular in the NHL ever since. He got called up, and uh, he has never seen the American League since then. So 2010-11 with the Islanders, he played 68 games. He scored five goals, had nine assists. He had 14 points. He totaled 147 penalty minutes and had 12 fights. He had a two-goal game, which, which uh, for me, it means a lot to me. Not that 
not that he scored it for me, obviously, but uh, on uh, February 24th, 2011 in Philadelphia, he had a two goal game. And uh, for those of you who, who have listened to my other episodes that uh, I discuss my situation, um, that game, I, obviously I was living in Philadelphia at the time. And that was a couple of weeks after the incident that happened on the subway. And it was, it was news. It was news here in New York. It was news down there in Philadelphia because that's where I lived. And the flyers had reached out to me and they wanted to do something, uh, wanted to do something for me. And, uh, we ended up going to that game and, uh, I was presented a flyers Jersey by the hound, Bob Kelly. I was on the scoreboard and everything. And that was, uh, that was a pretty amazing night. Flyers, I'll always root for the Flyers. They're a first-class organization, and, and they treated myself and my family really nice. And obviously, when they, they had asked what game we would want to go to, yeah, the Islanders were coming up, so we definitely wanted to see the Islander game. And in that game, uh, Maddie scored two goals. So that was, uh, I, I think, the Flyers won. Um, but, you know, for myself personally, it was such an amazing night that um, I wish the Islanders would have won, but, uh, but that was okay. And uh, probably the coolest thing, uh, and, and it's, it's weird because a lot of people have opinions on, um, on certain players and certain coaches and I'm no different. Um, and I know a lot of Islander fans don't really care for Jack Capuano, but it's hard for me to say a bad thing about the guy when, uh, when after the game, I, uh, went to the Flyers locker room, I met some of the guys and they signed a Jersey for me. And then we went down to the Islanders end and, um, I, you know, I had a few friends on the team, like Dean Chanel was there. I'd known him a long time and, uh, he had seen me on the scoreboard and he, you know, it's the famous story that I always talk about where he's like, this is bullshit. He's an Islander fan. We got to do something for him and everything. And obviously at the time, two weeks later, I'm still all busted up. I got the black eye go and I got the staples in my head and all this other stuff. So, um, when Capuano saw me in the hallway, he's like, Oh, come here. I want you to address the team. And it was like, Holy shit. So I went in the locker room and, uh, I'm like, you know, I see a couple of guys, you know, I'd met Trevor Gillies. I'd met, you know, Kanopka and, and Hammer and Haley and, and Maddie. I'd met him on the Island a few weeks before that. And, um, you know, just, I, I'd been around the rink a little bit. And so when I addressed him, I was like, oh shit, I don't really know what to say. And I, I as you'll see later on, as I discussed the revenge game, I, I think I remember saying something like, you know, as far as Islander fan goes, uh, it's w- definitely one of my most most proudest memories that I'll ever have as an Islander fan is the way that you guys rallied together for each other in that revenge game against Pittsburgh. And and like I say, out of the you know the back corner, I heard someone go, "Yeah, you like that one, Joe," and it was Kanaka with a big smile on his face. So uh, so that was fun. I mean that that is a memory that I'll I'll cherish the rest of my life. Just that whole the whole game, you know, meeting the Hound and getting that jersey, and uh, you know, going in the Islander locker room and addressing the guys, and uh, you know. I think that was really the first, the first night, not the first night, maybe one of the first nights where I, I chatted with Matt for, for a decent amount of time, obviously on the road, you don't get to talk to him too much, but, um, you know, at the Coliseum, I, you know, I know so many of the guys, you know, the equipment guy like Scotty Boggs and a lot of the other guys there. So you, you're, you're always talking to a bunch of guys at once and, and this night, you know, guys come out at their own pace. So I know that uh, Maddie and I had a good conversation that night too. And uh, like I said, it was great. You know, having a two goal game there, it was, uh, it was just fun. The whole night really memorable for me, but it's, this episode's not about me. So, uh, you know, I'll just forget about me. Um, this team, this 2010, 11 team 
was, you know, the record wasn't a great record, and and the team went through a lot of turmoil. turmoil. But as far as Matt Martin's career and his growth, I, I'm not sure that there would have there was a better team that he could have broken in with, because he's a physical player. He's got he has skill. He can pretty much do everything. All right, but but deep down, especially when you're a younger guy like Martin was. You, you're a young kid and you want to prove to the team and you want to prove to the coaches and the GM and the brass that you could play at this level and that you can be physical and everything. But the fact is that on this team, he never had to be the number one heavyweight. He never had to be the number one fighter. He's not going to do that. And he doesn't have to do that with, you have Trevor Gillies and Zenit Kanopka on the team. And I mean, these guys are veteran guys with hundreds of fights under their belt at this point. And, you know, Kanopka fights everybody and, and they're, they're similar in their attitude, but you know, Z is, he can be, he, he God, I got to get him on the show because he's, he's one of the best chirpers out there ever. And he has these marathon fights and everything. And he's a smart guy. And, um, you know, good on faceoffs and everything. And then you got Trevor Gillies, who's just like, he's just an animal. He's like an 18 wheeler coming at you. He just wants to run you over. And, uh, but again, he's a tremendous individual. Both of those guys are amazing humans. And, you know, at certain points in the season, you also had Michael Haley. He played 27 games and, uh, Travis Hamannick was also uh, a rookie with this team. And, and he didn't mind, <clears throat> excuse me, he didn't mind dropping the gloves, uh, back there on defense. So, you know, it would have been, I think it would have been a bigger adjustment if Martin would have come in and had to be the guy. And really on certain nights, he was one of five. And the first two guys are just, you know, like, say you learn, you're leaning on guys like Gillies and Kanopka. And, you know, to be honest with you, I, I had uh, said to Kanopka at one point that year that I couldn't believe he wasn't wearing the C. And, uh, you know, I think that's really uh, a testament to how I felt anyway, what kind of a leader he was. But if you're a young kid that that does this job like Martin does, and you you don't have to go in at night worrying about you know you don't have to worry about um, when you play in the Rangers you don't have to worry about uh, Derek Bugard, and um, you don't have to worry about these killers in the league because you have a guy like Trevor Gillies that just wants to fight everybody just for his you know stand up for his teammates and all that stuff like the, the guy is just just a warrior and then you got Kanopka the same way um yeah Michael Haley who you know who had a great season in Bridgeport that year he wants to prove things so Martin was just one of a handful of guys that year that played the physical role and I think it was perfect for him and as I said earlier I mentioned Scott Gordon he started the season as the head coach he was eventually fired and replaced with Jack Capuano who was Martin's coach in Bridgeport and I remember in an interview, Martin was saying how, um, you know, a lot of the systems that Capuano had with the Islanders, he brought with him from Bridgeport and they were a lot simpler than a lot of the stuff Gordon did. So it was, in, it was easier to adjust, uh, for, for Matt and probably for the rest of the team once Jack took over. So I think having that comfort level where you don't have to be the guy every night to go out and fight all these maniacs and have a coach that already believes in you, that you know the system. And on top of that, Jack's assistant coaches, like I had mentioned already, Dean Chenault and uh, the other assistant was Scott Allen, both guys who are fond of the physical play. Um, you know, Dean had played a bunch of NHL games, a bunch of minor league games, a, a very good fighter in his own right. He's a guy and he's a character. Like he knows how to keep the guys loose and everything. Listen, when, when it's time for business, Dean means business. But, uh, you know, a lot of times the assistant coach is the good cop 
And, uh, you know, Scott Allen was a great guy too. He liked the physical play. So, uh, you know, like I said, the team's record wasn't great that year, but it was, I think it was a really good situation for Matt to break into, aside from the fact that there were a lot of young players on that team, you know, Bailey, Tavares, Grabner, um, Jeez, oh, Hamannick, like I like I had said, uh, Franz Nielsen, uh, Kyle Oposo. I'm leaving guys out, but they were a young team, and these guys could potentially grow together. So, um, I think it worked out well uh, for Matt being on this team, and uh, you know his career is, you know, I mean, look at his numbers. He's had an amazing career so far. So uh, maybe I know what I'm talking about. Probably not, but uh, again, I don't think I'm putting a flag down anywhere. Like I was the first one to say this, but. Um, yeah, you know, if you if you look it over, I mean, it makes sense. So please hold. All right, so let's get into his fight. So, like I said, he started the year in Bridgeport. He had one fight down there. It was against Rich Clune uh, when Rich Clune was uh, with the Manchester Monarchs. This fight took place in Manchester, and um, a lot of Matt's fights uh, happen off the draw. Puck drops. Martin and Clune square off at center ice. And it's one of those fights where just because you square off in one spot doesn't mean you're fighting in that spot. And him and Clune went half the rink down into the um, uh, Bridgeport end. Martin lands the first punch, and then they tied up. They exchanged the easy for me to say. They exchanged a few rights. Clune appeared to land one on the chin, and then Clune just starts throwing rapid fire rights. None that really affected Matt, but you could kind of see it. It got him off balance. And uh, eventually he fell to the ice. So it was a kind of fight that if you're in the stands and you're a Manchester fan, you're pumped because the f- the punches look like they were doing some damage and you just see Clune throw it right, 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 and then Martin goes down. But when you watch the video or if you're sitting up close, you realize that no no real damage was done. And uh, But it was a good showing for Clune. And, you know, at this point in Matt's career, all these fights are learning experiences. But, uh, you know, it wasn't uh, it wasn't a fight that, you know, damaged either guy. But uh, like I said, it was it was a, a, maybe a show fight for Clune. If you're sitting at a certain point in the stands, it looked uh, it looked a lot better for him. But the reality is, it wasn't much of anything. Uh, and then that's it. After seven games, Martin gets recalled to the Islanders. His first game with the Islanders, October 27th. That's his first game this season. Like I said, he did play five games the year before. First game this season was October 27th in Montreal, uh, and that was the first game of a home and home series with Montreal. Uh, second game was two nights later. That was obviously if the first game was in Montreal. Second game is on the island. Big night for Matt Martin, October 29, 2010. He scored his first NHL goal. He beat Alex Ald. Now, Martin's in front of the net, and uh, I guess you say his name, Plakanich. Thomas Plakanich was kind of roughing him up. Well, I guess as much as a Plakanich can rough up a Martin. I mean, you know, I'm sure he's a strong guy and everything. He was trying to move Matt. Matt wasn't really moving too far. Uh, he was Plakanich almost was like riding Martin's back a little bit. Uh, Martin pretty much stood his ground. Franz Nielsen did uh, all the work behind the net. He put a perfect pass on Matt's stick and he banged it home. First NHL goal. It's a big moment that, you know, it, it was funny. They, uh, they in an interview. I think he said it was like relieved to get the monkey off your back. Uh, it was only, um, you know, his uh, seventh NHL game, he got the goal. And, you know, he just had, you know, the thing about Matt, especially when he first got called up, he, he just looked like a big kid. And even now, I mean, as I'm watching this, he looks the same. He's a little older, but, uh, 
you know, he looks the same. He's still got the same sort of boyish face, but when he when he was a rookie, he had that kid face, that baby face, and it was just this youthful exuberance that if you couldn't be happy for Matt Martin scoring his first NHL goal, then the problem is with you because he just got this big smile, and you know that all the boys were happy for him, and it was great. But as is as is Matt Martin, as his game is, he was throwing the body that night, and uh, he was hitting everything in sight if you could believe it. And uh, Hal Gill, who's a monster, Hal Gill is a big dude. Not, I don't want to say he's not tough. I mean, the guy could be an assassin off the ice, but on the ice, not much of a fighter. He's just a big guy. If you watch a lot of his fights, he does a lot of holding on. He tries to outmuscle guys and everything. He might throw a punch here or there. In this fight, you know, uh, basically what happened was um, they dropped the gloves. Martin throws three quick three quick rights. Like I said, I'm just getting so ahead of myself here. One landed, not flush. And after that, Gill really utilized his reach, and he got his left arm extended. So every punch that Martin threw after that is hitting Gill in the upper arm, hitting him in the shoulder cap here. Um, you know, no damage done, and Gill never tries to mount any type of offensive. And their, their officials come and separate him. So um, in his second game of the season, Martin was one assist shy of the Gordie Howe hat trick. I mean, the guy must have been on cloud nine, you know, the whole night and everything. You get uh, a fight with a big dude. If you had to give the decision to anyone, it had it would have to be Martin because Gil didn't do anything, and you score your first goal. So uh, it's a pretty big night for Matt there. And um, like I said, you got to be happy for the guy. His second fight that year was in Ottawa against Zach Smith. Now, earlier in the game, Matt Martin absolutely crushed Jason Spezza with a hit. And former Islander Chris Campoli came over to defend Spezza. Uh, pretty much just a hugging match, and um, they fell to the ice. Uh, Martin Martin fell on top of Campoli. There's a scrum around them. Uh, no damage done. No punches thrown. You know, Campoli's doing what he has to do, and I think that's all anyone can ever ask. I don't. You know, maybe you if if you're if you want to nitpick, yeah, would it be nice if you're an Ottawa fan if Campoli went in and tried to throw punches? But you know what, he did what he had to do defending his teammate. So uh, so I give Campoli full marks. And like I said, Martin didn't didn't push the issue. Ended up uh, you know just hugging and and falling over. But uh, the game's decided. Nine seconds left. Martin and Zach Smith dropped the gloves uh, right off the faceoff again. Uh, there's some wild punches early by both guys. Neither guy really lands anything, uh, but with their with their lefts, they they have their rights loose, and with their left hands, they got you know hold of the jersey by the collar. They're throwing the jersey jabs, which you'll hear me say a lot during this episode. Uh, at one point, Martin does stabilize his feet. He throws a right uppercut followed by an overhand right that drops Smith to his knees. One thing I noticed when you're watching Martin's fights like this back to back to back, that's a technique that he utilized a lot when he got his right hand free. He would always throw that uppercut and and quickly follow it up with an overhand. And a lot of times, if if he didn't connect with both, he connected with one. And if you know if he didn't knock the guy down, he startled him and it put him in a, in a good position to go forward and maybe throw more punches and win the fight. But it's definitely something uh, a technique he used. And a lot of times with young guys, they don't have a lot of technique at the time. Uh, but that is something that he utilized a lot in this rookie year. So, like I said, he threw the uppercut. He followed it with an overhand right. Smith, uh, he drops Smith to his knees. He gets up. Martin pulls a jersey over his head, and he lands a couple of shots to the Smith's back. Um, like I said about Campoli, it was a good job by Smith defending Spezza, and a good job by Martin. I, I mean, you know, nowadays, you know, you get Tom Wilson. He wants to go around 
being the douchebag and hitting guys dirty and stuff. And then he, you know, guys challenge him and he doesn't want to fight and I'm too good to fight this guy. I mean, it's been well chronicled on this podcast about how he ran from Eric Bolton a bunch of times and how he doesn't want to fight Ross Johnston, that Ross basically had to rip Wilson's gloves off to get him to fight. Um, you know, that's just the kind of guy Wilson is. And, and, you know, Matt could have done the same thing and he never does. And, um, you know, the other thing about Matt Martin, which I don't know if a lot of people notice, Matt started before they, uh, before visors were mandatory. So a lot of times, even up to this year, when Martin fights, most of the guys he's fighting are wearing visors and Matt doesn't. So that immediately puts him at a disadvantage. And most of the time the fights happen and Matt already is behind the eight ball because he's got to fight a guy with a visor. Matt doesn't wear a visor. He plays old school. And, uh, you know, like I said, in this fight, Martin could have just told Smith to fuck off. He's not fighting him, but he doesn't, he fights him. He does well and good on Matt Martin, a good, honest player. And, uh, you know, I guess that's what separates him from Tom Wilson. Next fight in LA, November 13th, 2010 against Kevin Westgard. Uh, again, gloves drop right off the face off. They both have their rights loose, Throwing some wild punches, nothing of consequence is really landing by either. Uh, Westgard switches to his left, and Martin lands a, a nice right uppercut to the former Princeton Tiger. Not the only Princeton Tiger Matt Martin's going to fight this year. Uh, Westgard lands a series of body shots to Martin. No, nothing really. I mean, it didn't even look like Martin felt him. Maybe he felt him the next morning. I don't know, but it looks like he was hitting him in the you know in the body where the uh, the top of the pants are, where there's even more padding. So I doubt any of those had any effect. Uh, they wrestle for a second or two, and then Martin falls to the ice. Again, not much of anything. You know, there were some punches thrown by both, but uh, not not anything of consequence uh, by either guy. Um, and as I discussed last week in the Bomber episode, with the the amount of energy that it takes to to have a hockey fight, uh, I always like to give the guys credit. And uh, later in that period, Westgarth had a fight with uh, Zen and Kanopka, so uh, full marks to him because you know one fight in a game is a lot, two fights in the game is a lot two fights in a period is crazy. So, uh, you know, Westgard's a tough guy and, uh, you know, so obviously so is Kanaka and so is Martin. And when a guy like Westgard has two fights in a game, I'd like to acknowledge that. So, uh, he did that in that game. December 2nd at the Coliseum against the New York Rangers, um, Matt Martin versus Mike Sauer. So Martin lays a nice hit on Sauer and the two are literally, they, they go nose to nose. Uh, this is an instance where Martin's fighting a guy with a visor. Sauer drops his gloves, and it appears that Martin tells Sauer to lose the visor. Sauer obliges. Martin takes off his helmet as well. So now they're, they got uh, no helmets, no visors, bare heads out there, nice targets for both guys. They square off at center ice. They grab on. Each throws a right. Martin throws a couple of rights that hit Sauer in the back. But between the punch and Martin's pulling Sauer forward with his left hand, he's keeping Sauer off balance while maintaining control of the fight. Martin throws a right uppercut, which finds the mark, and again, follows it up with an overhand right. And after that, Martin falls to the ice and pulls Sauer down with him. So Martin, definitely the aggressor in the fight. Um, you know, I give Sauer credit. Uh, he wanted to fight Martin. Martin told him to lose the lose the lid, lose the visor. He did. And then, you know, Martin took off his helmet. So there there is some honor in this. You know, there. I know some people don't necessarily think there's a code. Some people don't agree with the code. Uh, but to me... Um, you know, there's something to be said about that. You know, Martin wanted Sauer to take the helmet off, take the visor off. He did. And then Martin reciprocated by taking off his helmet. You know, it's things like that, that, uh, you know, just it's a classy move because there's a lot of douches in sports. And even in hockey, there are guys that wouldn't remove the helmet. They wouldn't, 
you know, they wouldn't have the conversation. They just play like rats and, uh, you know, just two, two honest players here doing the job. December 16th, 2010 at the Coliseum against the Ducks. Here's where the Princeton Tigers come in again. So <laughs> again, Martin, this fight starts with a Matt Martin hit. He absolutely crushes Andreas Lilia with a hit. Sheldon Brookbank comes in to challenge Martin, and before Matt can drop his gloves, the guy we've talked about already, Trevor Gilly, steps in, and he fights Sheldon Brookbank. So the stage has been set now where the target's going to be on Martin. Someone's going to want to do something. Uh, Martin was ready to drop the gloves with Brookbank, but Gilly stepped in. He had the fight, but you know it never ends there. So the next period, Matt Martin, as if the hit on Lilia wasn't enough, he absolutely decimates Todd Marchant with a hit. And George Paris is on the ice, and he retaliates with a huge hit on Jack Hillen. So Martin challenges Paris. They drop the gloves. And like I said, Martin finds himself fighting his second Princeton Tiger grad of the season. Yeah, see, guys that fight can also be smart too, by the way, for all the people that don't think that. But yeah, you got two guys from Princeton that made their living as NHL enforcers. So, you know, take that. Um, now, this is probably this fight was up until this point in his career because I'm, uh, I don't, yeah, I would say so. Paris is probably the biggest guy that Matt had fought. Well, Hal Gill is obviously bigger, but Paris is smaller than Gill, but he's 10 times tougher. Um, but in this fight, Paris definitely had the size, strength, reach, and experience advantage over Matt, but it didn't matter. Matt, Martin doesn't back down. They drop the gloves and throw rights that don't connect. Um, Martin throws one, maybe Paris three or four, but nobody does any damage. They tie up, and Paris tries to get Martin's helmet off, but he's unsuccessful. Paris throws a left. Martin throws a right. Uh, Paris gets his arm loose, and they exchange some more rights. Uh, he finally gets Martin's helmet off while Martin lands a nice right to Paris's face. Paris lands a few rights to the back of Maddie's head. Maddie answers with a right. Paris throws a few lefts. Maybe one of them landed. Uh, they tie up, and then they're separated by the officials. So, again, it, it, it's an example of guys doing their job. You know, the one thing that you know guys that challenge guys like uh like let's go back to tom wilson um when he kept declining bolton uh maybe it, you know and i don't know if i discussed this with with eric when i had him on the show um wilson wants no part of him and um even with with nowadays where wilson doesn't seem to want to fight johnston uh, if you want to fight tom wilson just run a guy that's out there on the ice with him you know whoever he's playing with just run him and then he's gonna have to do it i mean if he doesn't do it he looks like a chump um and, you know, these guys, you know, Paris, honest player, uh, does the job the right way. Martin, honest player, does the job the right way. And, you know, they went about it. I mean, Martin's crushing ducks left and right. Paris goes and crushes Hill, and then the two come together, and they just drop the gloves and take care of business. Can't complain about that. There's nothing wrong with that whole sequence of events. I mean, unless you're a, a few douchebags that write for uh, publications up in Toronto, but uh, I digress. January 11, 2011, the Vancouver Canucks visit the Coliseum and take on the Islanders and Maddie Martin fights Tanner glass. So, um, they're on the face off and Martin and uh, glass agree to fight, uh, in his zeal, Maddie actually drops a stick and it wasn't so much that he dropped it. He did it sort of dramatically and the stick ended up, I think going all the way to the face off circle. It might've hit Kanaka in the skates. It was sort of humorous. Uh, so he was a bit overzealous there. And uh, so he goes over and skates. He goes over and gets a stick, and he's just getting an earful from the referee as he goes back to the faceoff where, he, where he's going to drop the gloves. But uh, he's getting an earful. The ref turns around, leaves him alone. Puck drops. Now they are gonna now they drop the gloves. 
So they're square off. Now, Glass, he, he was the aggressor at the beginning. He moves towards Martin very quickly, but he stepped right into two right hands. They tangle for a bit. Martin's throwing rights. Glass is throwing lefts. Uh, Martin gets Tanner's helmet off, and they're both throwing some wild rights. They tie up. Glass gets his right loose and lands one to Martin's shoulder. Martin tries to land an uppercut that misses. An overhand right that may have grazed Tanner Glass. Uh, and then Martin follows that up with a jersey jab. But as Martin is bringing his arm back as he's recoiling to throw another punch, Glass gets a huge right loose. It lands right on the button, and it puts Martin down. So this is probably uh, the first clear loss that Matt suffered in a fight. You know, he showed himself well in the fight. Glass had more experience, and it was just, you know, those are the kind of punches if you do the job that you really want to land. Those are the ones where I guess it just the adrenaline gets going and, you know, Maddie got caught and everyone gets caught. And I think it was, um, Jeremy Oblonsky says, if you're not losing fights, you're not fighting the right guys. So, um, you know, Tanner glass got the W in this one, nothing to be ashamed of. It happens to everybody. So, um, before that punch, Matt was doing well and you know, you move on. They both moved on. So, uh, full marks glass, good fight by him. And, uh, you know, credit to Maddie for hanging in there and, you know, we got caught and it happens. So, Moving on, January 17th, 2011, happy birthday to my mom uh, at the Coliseum. The Devils come to town, and uh, go figure, Matt Martin hits David Clarkson, and Clarkson takes umbrage with the hit. So he turns around, and he starts challenging Martin, and Martin obliges. Uh, Kanopka actually tried to step in, but steps back when he sees that Martin and Clarkson are ready to go. Um, as the two are jockeying for position, Martin throws two rights, which, which miss Clarkson throws a few Jersey jabs and Martin connects with a right Clarkson answers with the right of his own. They both throw a few wild rights and they fall to the ice and get back up. Clarkson throws three rights and then they, then they start exchanging rights. None of these punches are really landing from either guy. They tie up. Clarkson throws a final right to the back of Martin's helmet and then they're separated. So it's another fight where. Uh, a lot of punches are thrown. Nobody gets hurt. No real damage done. But again, it's two guys doing their job. And uh, you know who liked it? Everybody in the building. So uh, everybody's on their feet. Both benches are on their feet. So good job by both guys. Now we move on to February 5th, 2011. And it's the rematch with Matt Martin and Zach Smith. So the first fight took place in Ottawa. This rematch now is happening at the Coliseum. And according to Butch Goring, Smith and Martin were chatting in the warm-ups. Maybe uh, that had something to do with round one in Ottawa. Maybe Smith was asked for a rematch. Uh, there was no video of it that they showed, so I'll take Butchie's word for it. Uh, regardless, the two dropped the gloves. Martin throws some rights. Smith throwing several jersey jabs. They exchange uh, a right. They exchange rights, neither doing any damage. And Martin lands a right that connects. Smith then throws a few lefts and a right, but they have each other at arm's length, so nothing is really landing. That's one thing that Martin is good at, where he'll uh, he'll get a guy extended, uh, but you know he's not. Martin's neither huge, like Bugard, or small, so a lot of guys are in the same height category as him. They probably have similar reach. So when he does it and the other guy does it, it unfortunately lends itself to uh, a lot of missed punches because. These guys are smart. They're extending the other guy. And in this case, it happened again. You know, they have each other at arm's length, so nothing is really landing. Uh, they both throw some wild rights, and Smith continues with the jersey jabs. Martin lands a nice right. They each throw a few more, but at this point, they're out of gas. Uh, no real damage was done, but they're out of gas because the fight, I was I timed it. 
after I watched it a few times, then I just watched the clock. It was almost a minute. And for those of you who have never been in a fight um, or have been in a fight, don't think of fighting for a minute straight is exhausting. It is, especially when you're doing it on skates and, you know, you're just throwing punches and a lot of these punches you're throwing. And it's not like you're on solid ground, although a minute straight on dry land is going to be exhausting too. But, you know, throwing punches and dodging punches for a minute straight, these guys are out of gas and, and, you know, obviously everybody knows why you throw for 60 seconds straight. That's a pretty big deal. So the next one, and I'm going to take a drink before I talk about this one. Excuse me. February 11th, 2011. What I and most Islander fans call their revenge game. So here's a little background. February 2nd, 2011 was a very physical game, Islanders in Pittsburgh. Among the incidents, and probably the the big, I mean, it depends which one you view as bigger, but the cheap stuff started with uh, Max Talbot, really, really cheap hit to the head of Blake Como, knocked him out. He was out for a bit. Uh, later on in the game, uh, Brent Johnson and Rick DiPietro hook up. Brent Johnson's a lot bigger than Ricky, and uh, Johnson lands one left punch, um, and Ricky went right down. Uh, later on, it was uh, disclosed that uh, Ricky missed several weeks with uh, a few facial fractures. And um, obviously, that's going to piss the guys off. But I think aside from the Como hit, what really, really set the guys off was when Johnson skated to the bench and the cameras caught it. And you got uh, Chuckles, Mark andre Flory there with the big goofy smile on his face. And a lot of the Penguins were smiling and laughing and you know, if if you want to take that as just a team that's happy about the situation, that's fine. But, you know, some might view it as disrespectful. And, you know, it is what it is. It's, it all depends on how you want to look at it. Uh, the entire situation did not sit well with the Islanders. And fortunately for the Islanders, the calendar was on their side. Because, uh, like I said, this game was February 2nd in Pittsburgh. And the schedule read nine days later at the Coliseum, the Penguins were coming to town. So... In an article that was in The Athletic, um, Matt Martin told Arthur Staple regarding the game in Pittsburgh, I mostly remember after the fight when the camera panned to their bench, a lot of smiles, a lot of laughs. That didn't sit well with us. It was an embarrassing game for us in general, and that left a sour taste with a lot of guys in the room and in our organization. Um, so, I mean, there you go. I mean, and I'm sure Martin wasn't alone. Before Martin got into it in the revenge game, Michael Haley had beat down Craig Adams. Trevor Gillies had a mammoth heavyweight tilt with former Islander Eric Goddard. And, you know, if you've listened to the show, you know how much I love both of those guys. Even John Tavares got in the act. Uh, Chris Letang was roughing him up a bit in the corner. Uh, some of it legal. Some of it looked a little bit. Maybe it was a little debatable. And Tavares had enough, and he just gave him a nice two-hander across the ankle, across the leg, uh, somewhere. Maybe it was the ankle. I'm not sure. But... Uh, but it, it was effective. Li Tang had to uh, be helped off the ice. But uh, I guess Tavares had enough. And uh, like I said, he, he Paul Bunyan'd him a bit. And that was just in the first period. We go to the second period. Uh, Michael Haley scores his first NHL goal, which was great. And that goal made it 6 nothing. So I remember watching this game at home. And I can't even imagine what the atmosphere must have been like at the Coliseum. It must have been amazing because 
Andrea and I are watching this game at home. And obviously, you know, with my mentality, how I view the game, I was waiting for this game after that game in Pittsburgh. And, you know, if, if they would have, you know, got their pound of flesh and lost the game, I think I still would have been okay with it based on the fact that they weren't a playoff team. But the fact that they got their pound of flesh, they probably got five pounds of flesh, and they beat the shit out of them on the scoreboard, that made it even better. And like I said, Haley's goal made it 6 nothing, And now the Penguins change goalie. So Brent Johnson started, and now, like I said, Chuckles comes in, Marc-Andre Fleury. Less than two minutes later, all hell breaks loose. So this is where Matt Martin gets involved. Martin challenged Talbot, but Talbot wasn't interested, and Martin apparently didn't care. Martin threw a punch and Talbot just turtled and a line brawl ensued. Martin threw another punch while he was down. Um, but then all of a sudden, that's it. Guys are pairing off left and right. You know what else ensued? And I was fortunate. I was living in Philadelphia at the time, so I had the NHL package. And, and I, I was able to um, get both feeds. I got the Islander feed and the Penguin feed. And here's what ensued. The Penguin announcers crying like a bunch of babies. And I believe it was Paul Steigerwald and Bob Airy. It was embarrassing. I'll be honest with you. It was embarrassing listening to these guys, especially a guy like Eri, who wasn't above being a dirty player. And for the most part, you know, he played honest. He played tough. And there were a lot of times where it was pretty much just Eri and Troy Loney in Pittsburgh uh, doing the dirty work. And, and like I said, Eri wasn't above doing dirty shit, but, but he was pretty honest. But for a guy that played the game physical like that and Steigerwald, just the two of them just whining like they had dirty diapers, it was embarrassing. But again, it, it's it's revisionist history. A lot of times with these announcers, you know, if their team does it, it's one thing. And if the other team does it, then they're criminals. And it, it, it's really funny because it could even happen in the same game. And apparently they just don't remember the stupid shit that they say. But because the Islanders did this, um, you know, they're the hoods, they're hoodlums, they're thugs. Uh, all the bullshit that happened in the prior game, I guess that those were just hockey plays. But these two guys just whining. It was embarrassed. Like I was literally, literally embarrassed listening to them. I, I just couldn't believe it. And this was after listening to, you know, the Islander broadcast, which was more normal. And uh, it was embarrassing. If you have an opportunity to listen, just listen. I mean, it was like they needed a dozen boxes of tissues to dry their eyes. Um, the bottom line, you know, obviously they were upset with Matt Martin, uh, you know, suckering Max Talbot, as they called it, and, you know, likening it to the Todd Bertuzzi and uh, more incident. Uh, but here's the bottom line. In the previous game, Max Talbot cheap shotted Blake Como with a high hit that knocked the guy out of the game. Max Talbot's not an idiot. He's been in hockey a long time. You knew he had to know that a shitstorm was coming his way. Answer the fucking bell. It's that simple. You want to play that way, play that way, but you got to know something's coming back. Answer the bell. Well, he didn't want to answer it, but the bell answered him. In that same article uh, with Arthur Staple, Martin talking about the Talbot fight, he said, uh, for me, it happened so fast. I knew I wanted to fight Talbot at some point. We were at center ice and I gave him a let's go and I dropped my gloves really quick. Too quick, I'd say. When I saw he wasn't interested, I stopped, just opened my hand, but the pileup had already started. Maybe a little overzealous on my part, but emotions were running high. That game got away from us. We wanted to win the game, and we wanted retribution. We were embarrassed and fired up by their bench reaction to Ricky. After it was all said and done, as if the Steigerwald and Eri whining wasn't enough, Mario LaRue, LaRue, Mario Lemieux whined in, I mean, weighed in. 
Mario said, hockey is a tough physical game, and it always should be. But what happened Friday night on Long Island wasn't hockey. It was a travesty. It was painful to watch the game I love turn into a sideshow like that. The NHL had a chance to send a clear and strong message that those kind of actions are unacceptable and embarrassing to the sport. It failed. We as a league must do a better job of protecting the integrity of the game and the safety of our players. We must make it clear that those kind of kinds of actions will not be tolerated and will be met with meaningful disciplinary action. Now, this is funny on many levels. On the first level, Mario played a lot of years, had a lot of teammates, including the dirtiest son of a bitch who ever played hockey, Ulf Samuelson. Could be a nice guy off the ice, on the ice, just a dirty scumbag. But I'm sure Mario didn't have any issue with Samuelson trying to take guys' knees out. I'm sure he had no issue with that. And then at this point, Mario has a guy on his payroll named Matt Cook. Probably, I don't know if he was the dirtiest, cheapest player at the time, but he was certainly at the table. But he didn't have a problem with anything Matt Cook did. And he didn't have a problem if the NHL didn't throw any discipline towards Matt Cook. And actually, there was uh, a coach's corner uh, back when Don Cherry had coach's corner with his partner there, the snake. Um, there was a coach's corner where, where uh, Grapes addressed Mario's comments. And as usual, Grapes was spot on. And he had video proof of a bunch of things that Penguin players had done where Mario didn't have a problem with it. Mario didn't feel the need to make a statement. He didn't feel the need to cry about it. Numerous things that uh that the penguins had done including he brings up matt cook and he brought up something that malkin had done and a few other things and and the video was right there in front of you but never once did mario cry about that so you know a bit hypocritical on mario's part but again the the penguins as a whole they just seem to be a, a lot of the guys not everybody because i know people in the organization that are solid people but i don't know what you know it's you know, you start with mario then you go to the announcers and everything they just seem to whine a lot when things don't go their way you would almost think that they never had any success i i don't get it but you know uh martin commented on mario's statement he said what lemieux said is whatever to me that's his team his family over there this is our family we're not going to agree bottom line they think we started it we think they started it and that's never going to change it certainly brought us together you always talk about family and that was taking it too far but we were embarrassed our fans our organization and we wanted to make an impact show we're not going to be pushed around be a laughing stock it served a purpose the fans love that game the guys in it always remember it it certainly brought us closer together and in the aftermath you know i had the video i recorded it uh they they were in the islanders locker room i don't know a week later or whatever and they had asked some of the guys um you know their reaction to to what happened and i think it was josh bailey said you can't go anywhere now everyone's like hey how about that pittsburgh game and he just said it with the biggest smile on his face because you know what that people like that stuff okay i love that stuff as i was fond of uh, listen everybody knows if if you know me you know what happened the next day in my life the next day is when uh the incident happened on the subway and i got stabbed seven times and i always say that i was doing it on very little sleep because after that game there's no way i could go to sleep i stayed up watching as many news outlets as i can covering it looking for post game reaction and everything i don't know what time i went to sleep i know i probably got up around six o'clock the next day and then when i got to the city i almost died um but yeah, people like that hockey. 
People like that style of hockey. If your hockey team gets pushed around and you exact revenge, you know who likes that? Earth. Everybody likes that. Okay. Islander fans liked it. It, it, I don't know a single Islander fan that was around back then that if you bring up the revenge game, they don't get a big smile on their face. So I know that there are certain writers that write, uh, and I think they're all based out of Toronto. Most of them are based out of Toronto, and they all say, oh, fighting is bad, and fighting is this, and fighting is that. And I, at this point, I, they're, to me, they're just it's just static. And they, it's the same old sorry shit, and it's the same old fucking story. Fighting is bad, fighting this, fighting that. But you know who likes fighting? The fucking fans like fighting, okay? And the players do too, by the way. So there you go. Um, Matt, in that game, season-high 27 penalty minutes. <clears throat> he was also suspended four games. Uh, he got suspended four games. Uh, Trevor Gillies, I think, got suspended nine games. Uh, fines galore. and. Um, you know what? Um, there are there are games that I will remember for the rest of my life. Um, one game that I talked about in the Bomber episode was that playoff game against the Rangers after the Rangers had put out Patty LaFontaine with a cheap hit. And I'll always remember the end of that game as long as I live. I will always remember this revenge game as long as I live. And to all the guys who did stuff in that game to defend the teammates and defend the island, I love you for it, and, and I will never forget that. So uh, that is a very fond memory in in my life and uh, as a hockey fan so so I loved it and if you're a, a fan of a certain age and you watch that I'm pretty sure you agree with me unless of course you're a penguins fan because I don't know if the the whining carries down I know it does carries down to the fans because even in that article that I mentioned from Arthur Staple when you go and you read the comments there's penguin fans on there whining and you know the scourge of the league you know Martin and Gillies and Kanopka they're just they're bad guys and you know, we would never do anything like that. It, it's just so fucking idiotic, but whatever. This is about Matt Martin, not about my opinion on lame-ass fans and writers. We move on to March. March 5th, 2011, Matt Martin and BJ Crombie here at the Coliseum. Off the face-off, BJ Crombie drops his stick and gloves first, and Martin follows suit. The two square off and exchange several jersey jabs to try to keep each other off balance a bit. Martin throws two rights and Crombie answers with two of his own. None find the mark. Martin throws two more rights, the second of which may have landed. They exchange some more rights that miss, and Crombie switches back to the jersey jabs. Several more rights are thrown by both, but none reach the target. Both throw a punch as the officials get in, and the fight is over. Uh, yeah, it was um, just as the officials were getting in, uh, Crombie threw a punch, and Martin threw a punch right after that. So um, I guess Martin's was later, and Crombie didn't look too happy, but... Crombie's punch was late too. So um, you want to throw a punch late, you might just get one back at you. So uh, neither guy looked – well, Crombie looked a little more mad than Martin. Uh, but, hey, Crombie's punch was was a little late and Martin's was just a little bit later. So um, shit happens. That's the kind of stuff that happens in a fight. Uh, March fifteenth, two 2011, the second rematch of the year is uh, Matt Martin against Mike Sauer. That's at MSG. So the game's decided the Rangers were going to win this game, and late in the third period, Martin hit Sauer in the corner. They chat for a second and then shed the gloves. I don't know. You know honestly, I don't remember too much about Sauer, but you know, uh, from this season with the games against the Islanders, he seemed like he was a pretty solid player. Uh, I guess he was a pretty honest player. Um, you know, played a little physical, but I don't really know if he ever really made a mark with the Rangers or anyone else. Maybe I should have looked that up before uh, before I did this, but uh, you know, good on him, I guess. 
Um, Sauer throws a series of jersey jabs, and Martin goes for a huge overhand, but it misses. But Martin keeps throwing big rights, but he really can't set himself up because of the jersey punches, the short punches that Sauer keeps throwing um, with his left while he's holding off Martin. Martin does land an uppercut, and an overhand right follows it, with, and uh, Martin follows it up with a series of rights to the back of Sauer's head that puts Sauer down. So definitely uh, a win for Martin in this. It's a second win over Sauer. But again, a guy like Sauer, you know, you're you're caught up in that Islander Ranger rivalry. Uh, you're ready for it. Martin fought Martin once. Maybe you think he got the better of you, so you want to go in and try to maybe exact some revenge, similar to what um, Zach Smith did uh, with the Senators, challenging Martin again. Um, you know, so full credit. And, uh, you know, it, it sounds really stupid for me to say that I give credit to Martin for fighting because – you know, back in the day, it was a no-brainer, but I think a lot of the younger fans are conditioned to say, well, why did Martin fight? Why did he have to fight? He didn't have to fight, you know. But you know what? Uh, Martin plays the game like a man, and, you know, when you play the game like a man, you fight. And, um, you know, Martin could have said, no, fuck it, I already beat you once, I'm not, but that's not his style. He plays the game like a big boy, and that's one of the reasons why I love the guy. Uh, March 26th, 2011, a rematch from the uh, preseason, a season prior, Matt Martin against Sean O'Donnell. Uh, when he fought him the first time, he was a king. Now Sean O'Donnell is a flyer. As the play goes up ice, Matt Martin appears to be asking O'Donnell to go, and he eventually obliges. Martin throws a quick uppercut and overhand right. Like I said, that happened a lot this year uh, while they were grappling for position. They both have a good grip on each other's right arm, especially Martin on Odie's right. O'Donnell throws a right, and Martin responds with several rights, but none from either combatant do any damage. O'Donnell didn't really seem too interested in this. He um, he had a fight earlier in the game with uh, Zen and Kanapka, but I, I don't know. It just didn't seem like he was that into the fight. Um, Martin throws several rights. He alternated between body shots and going for Sean's head before Sean throws a right as the official step in. Like I said, O'Donnell really didn't seem too interested in engaging. Uh, I don't know if it was, you know, he's near the end of his career here. I mean, the guy, O'Donnell was a warrior his whole career. He had a solid career, tough physical defenseman, you know, really, uh, you know, made his bones with LA, but played for a bunch of teams and, um, you know, always an honest guy, solid player. So um, uh, maybe it was just, you know, like I said, towards the end of his career, uh, maybe it wasn't going to have much of an out outcome on the game. Didn't really seem interested, but again, Big boy hockey, still drop the gloves, still engage with Martin, and uh, and that was it. And that was it for that fight. Uh, you know, and again, that's speculation on my part. I don't know. I didn't ask O'Donnell that, but you know, like I said, it was it was a little bit different look than the uh, than the O'Donnell, a young O'Donnell uh, from his early Kings year. So that's just my guess. Um, but again, I I respect Sean O'Donnell a ton. Guy's a warrior and. Uh, you know, obviously, you know how much I like Matt Martin. His final fight of the year, March 30th, 2011, at The Rock in New Jersey against Jay Leach. So uh, a few minutes after Zenit Kanapka and uh, David Clarkson went off for fighting, Martin and Leach dropped the gloves. Guess how it started? Matt Martin threw a check on Leach in the corner. They have a little chat, and they decide to go. The play was heading up ice, so the beginning of the fight, I didn't see if anything was thrown or landed. But as the camera pans back to the fight, Martin is landing a right. They each throw another right, and then they exchange a series of jersey jabs. This, the, like I said, the combo that Martin throws, and, and he throws a lot of these short jabs when he, he's got the guy's jersey with his left hand. 
And they're never going to do a lot of damage, but they're definitely going to keep a guy off balance. And who knows? Maybe you catch a guy, you knock out a tooth or something. But I think it's more done to stun the guy, maybe keep him from setting his feet, planting his feet. But uh, Martin utilized utilized the jersey jabs a lot this season, and guys also did it to him too. Um, Martin's shots at this point in the fight seem to be landing, and he follows him up with an uppercut and three overhand rights, which stun Leach. Might have had him rethinking his decision to engage. Later, well, not later, right after that, they exchange some straight rights, then some uppercuts. Martin lands two rights, Leach lands one, and then they decide the bout is over. Um, you know, Jay Leach not really known as a fighter, but uh, I don't know if, if you know, uh, obviously Martin was, his reputation was growing in the league. I think the Penguin game certainly helped it. Um, I think uh, as the years went on, with every year, Matt Martin got a bigger and a bigger and a bigger reputation. And I think, you know, guys maybe look and see, well, Gillies and Kanopka, you know, maybe Martin is third in the pecking order. Um, so I don't I don't think guys were afraid to fight him. Uh, so maybe Jay Leach figured, uh, you know, it wasn't a super heavyweight that, that hit me. So I'm going to try this kid on for size. And, you know, with the exception of the glass fight, and even in that fight, you know, Matt was doing just fine before the, that last fight. But uh, even in that fight, with the uh, with the exception of that fight, Martin had a solid rookie year. You know, if you think about it, you're stepping in. He had uh, he finished his junior career. He played one year in the minors. Now he's stepping into the NHL. He played seven games, like I said, in Bridgeport, and now he's stepping in and he's playing against men. And these are men that may have some of them may have ten, fifteen years of experience and age on him. So he's new to this, and you know he was this wide eyed kid. He came in, he scored some goals, had these fights, and you know what? It's it just feel good. I just feel really good talking about uh, talking about Matt Martin. I love the guy, you know, and um, you know, aside from the fact that he's a tremendous human being, and and like I said, I've, it's been my pleasure to know him almost ten years. Um, I'm I'm just a huge fan of his, and I'm happy that you know most of his career was here with the Islanders. He had that brief hiccup with Toronto. Which uh, you know, good for him if, if he wanted to. You know, he got nice payday from Lou, and I'm sure you know the allure of playing back in Ontario was good, and I'm glad he got it. And uh, but I'm also glad he came back. And uh, you know, as I touched on earlier, now he's in that same. Well, now he's in the you know same boat here, where who knows where he's going to end up. I hope he comes back to the Islanders. Who knows? But you know, I could really talk about Matt Martin for days. That's how much respect I have for the kid. I love him, and. Um, in case you haven't noticed, I said that a bunch of times. But that finishes up his season. Here's a, a few miscellaneous things about Matt Martin that maybe you know or you don't know, but you'll know after I tell you. So obviously every team in any league at every level, they have their team awards. And one of the more prestigious awards that you can win with the Islanders is the Bob Nystrom Award. And obviously you're not going to name uh, the Bob Nystrom Award. You're not going to give that award to someone who's a fancy pants. You know, they could do the Mike Bossy Award for that. But the Bob Nystrom Award, basically, you get the award for playing like a man. You play like Bob Nystrom played. Uh, you know, you give the extra effort. You're a good leader. You're tough. Um, you know, just hard worker. And um, Matt Martin won that award five times. And he won that award five times in a row from 2011-12 to 2015-16. So... Is it an NHL-recognized award? No, they don't talk about it when they give the awards out in Vegas. But uh, for the Islanders, the Bob Nystrom Award is a pretty big deal. And uh, like I said, Matt won that five years in a row. 
Matt Martin, one of the best hitters the game has ever seen, one of the most frequent hitters that the game has ever seen. He led the league in hits five times. And the years he didn't lead the league in hits, he was second or third. And I really should have kept track of how many second-place finishes he had, how many third-place finishes he had. But he finished first five times, like I said, and he's always among the league leaders in hits, even now as he's an old man in his early 30s. He's still doing it. So, um, like I said, led the league in hits five times. Bob Nystrom, award winner, five times. Now, as far as Islander goes, Islander records go, he is 19th all-time in games played with 560 games. Uh, like I said, that that stint in Toronto really screwed up his numbers because he, his numbers with the Islanders would be so far higher in all the categories if he had just stayed here. But, you know, go and uh, sow his hockey oats out there in Toronto. You know, see how the other other half lives, and now he's back where he belongs. But like I said, 19th in games played with 560. He ranks 11th in organizational history in penalty minutes with 773. One of the thing, one of the reasons why I want him to to come back here, and even if he does come back here, I'm not sure he'll hit this. I would love for Matt Martin to get a thousand penalty minutes with the Islanders, and it may not mean anything to the Islanders. It may not mean anything to Matt Martin. I just like you. Everyone likes the round numbers, you know. Like if he gets a if he got a two, another two minute minor, he'd have seven hundred seventy five. If he had twenty seven more minutes, he'd have eight hundred. I just think a thousand penalty minutes, especially the fact that the second half of his career is really being played with with so many changes to the game. Um, could he do it if he comes back? Absolutely. Will he do it? I don't know. I don't know. Just the opportunities just aren't there. It seems like to rack up these minutes. So I'd love for him to get a thousand penalty minutes with the Islanders. I don't know if it's going to happen, but all you could ask is come back and try. Come back, Maddie. Come back, please. 11th all time in penalty minutes, 773 penalty minutes. He's up there with some pretty big names. Um, if he resigns, if he gets 42 penalty minutes, he will move from 11th to 8th. And then after after a eight going up from seven to one, it's a pretty big jump after that. He could he could jump up to seventh with a big penalty minute year. But if he does come back with just 42 penalty minutes, he can move up from 11th to eighth. So, Matt, if you're listening, it's something to think about, really. And you don't want to move. All your shit's here. Just stay. All right. And finally, something that I've brought up a bunch of times in the episodes where I ranked the Islander enforcers by position. And we talked about career numbers for a lot of the guys. Um, And this is a number that I said when I first did my research actually surprised me. Um, But Matt Martin ranks fourth in team history in fighting majors for the Islanders with 72 fights. And he trails three big Islander Hall of Fame enforcer names here. Uh, Mick Vakoda leads the team all time. Nobody's going to break this record. Nobody. Uh, Mick had 160 fights as an Islander. Uh, edges out Gary Howitt by 14 fights. Gary Howitt finished with 146 fights as an Islander. And Bob Nystrom had 99 Islander fights. And there's Matt Martin, fourth after Bob Nystrom with 72 fights. I didn't write it down, but I think Dwayne Sutter is 50 at 71. I, that is not official. That is done by memory, and my memory sometimes is a bit iffy. But, um, you know, fourth all-time in the in this franchise with fights. Now, 
I'd love to see Matt Martin get a thousand penalty minutes with the Islanders. I'd love to see him hit a hundred fighting majors. Not that I want to see him pass Bobby Nystrom. That getting a hundred fighting majors would pass Bobby Nystrom, and that's not why I want him. Again, we're talking about the round numbers here. Um, I'd love to see him get a hundred fights with the Islanders, but nowadays, where for him to do that, he'd probably have to. I mean, in a, in a league where five fights is a lot nowadays, uh, and especially on this team where uh, Ross Johnston will probably be doing the majority of the fighting. That's a big ask from Matt to to get those uh, 28 fights. I don't think it's going to happen, but there's only one way for it to potentially happen, and that's if Matt Martin resigns with the Islanders. So that brings us to the end of the episode. Um, I hope you enjoyed this one as much as you enjoyed the Ken Baumgartner episode uh, last week. Uh, this was a real pleasure. Uh, like I said, you know, I, I'm very biased when it comes to some of these guys. You know, it was uh, with Bomber. I got to know him when he was here. He was only here for parts of three seasons. And, you know, Matt, Matt's been playing. I've, I've been, I've known him for 10 years. Part of those years he was in Toronto. But, um, you know, I, the, the difference is Bomber started with L.A., and Matt Martin started here with the Islanders. And, you know, I saw him grow as a player, as a fighter, as a man, as a human being. And, you know, he's an easy guy to root for. And, um, you know, like I said, I, I am very biased when I do these because I love these guys so much. They're they're tremendous people. And um, I had a blast doing this. And, you know, you could see, like I was thinking as I was doing this, like Matt Martin has had better seasons as a fighter after this one and that all comes with experience but the season that he had as a rookie taking on men you know fighting guys like george paros um you know west garth tanner glass these are all guys that had a lot more experience than him and he handled himself great so um you know matt martin to me you know people you always talk here talk about all-time islanders and you know this and that but for me man you know what He's a guy that I'm always going to mention here because of, of his tenure, and I hope it's not over, and you've heard me say that enough. So I'm going to end it there. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you people enjoyed this episode. And one thing I forgot to say in my extended intro, which actually wasn't extended compared to the other episodes, um, please like and rate and review this podcast because it helps grow the show. The more ratings I get, the more reviews I get, then when people search for hockey podcasts, um, you know, it'll pop up more in the search. So if you could do that, uh, that would be great. And actually, uh, I know last week I had mentioned after my interview with Mike Dalhusen that I had charted in Slovakia for the first time. I also charted in the Netherlands because that's where Mike's from. So, so I'm, I'm slowly creeping to a worldwide phenomenon. No, I'm, obviously I'm just kidding. I'm not, but if you guys wouldn't mind reading it and reviewing it, that would be awesome. I really appreciate it. Everybody, um, have a great week. Stay safe. I'm not going to say what's coming up next week because, honestly, I don't know, and I'm out of that game. No more predictions for what's happening next week. There will be an episode. I just have no idea what it is. Everybody, I hope you enjoyed this Matt Martin. Uh, look back at Matt Martin's um, season. Have a great week, everybody. Stay safe.